6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Right now, though, I want to get to this. Almost two years ago, a gunman went on a shooting spree that left 22 people dead. It started in the small Nova Scotia community of Porto Peak and spread across central Nova Scotia. There are so many questions about what exactly happened that night and the police response to it. Today, a timeline of the shootings with never-before-heard eyewitness accounts uh, was released by the public inquiry into the killing spree. Brian Hill is a global news investigative reporter and the head of research and web content for the 13 Hours podcast, a podcast that told the story focused on the shootings. Brian joins us now. Brian, welcome to 630 Chad. Hi, thanks very much for having me. All right, Brian. I mean, you've been covering this closer than just about anybody uh, else uh, that, uh, that I've talked to over the past uh, two years. Was there... Anything that jumped out at you immediately when you were going through uh, the findings released today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there were a couple things actually, and I mean, you know, we've we've spent thousands of hours really over the past few years working on this as a team and at Global News, and and it, the first thing that really jumped out to me was just how close uh, the RCMP actually were to the gunman that night in the in the very first moments of this. Uh, of this incident, uh, and 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 just the, the so, I guess the, the chaos as well of, uh, of what was happening in the, in in, the, in Portipic and in, in those early moments uh, after the first 911 calls, and you know the like I say the in terms of how close the RCMP were, um, the, the public inquiries account shows that. Eyewitnesses place the gunman less than 170 meters away from the first responding officers on the scene, um, and and it was you know by this point it's believed he had already killed 10 people, and and he'd done that in less than 30 minutes. Um, but then he went on to kill three more people, uh, according to the inquiry, while the RCMP were still on the scene. So, so that's something that really jumped out to me. Brian, one of the things when I was when I was reading the accounts of of what happened was that a lot of the um, witnesses, the people who um, either had been shot at or eventually had been shot and killed when they were on the phones with 911 or when their kids called to report that mom had died, all of these things had talked about Gabe, had talked about Gabriel, had talked about the denturist from town who was driving a fake police car. And so that raises the question again about why did it take so long to figure out who this was? (laughs) Yeah, Um, and I mean, that's a question we've had for a long time, what the RCMP knew, when they knew it, and when they chose to share these details with the public. These are things that we've looked into in great detail before, but you're right. These The accounts that we've heard today, uh, including nine, transcripts of 911 calls uh, made by the victims, including Jamie Blair, who whose husband, Greg Blair, was the first victim shot and killed by the gunman. Jamie Blair was shot and killed. Uh, she was on the phone with 911 at the time um, that that happened. Her children uh, were hiding behind the bed or in between the bed and the wall, and they witnessed their uh, their mother's murder. Um, and then they described all of this to 911 operators in a separate call just a few minutes later. Um, and, you know, Jamie Blair, well, 
you know, just moments before her murder, uh, told the RCMP it was Gabriel, that he had a massive gun, that he had shot her husband, that he was banging on the door. All of this was uh, was told to 911 operators. The children uh, said the same thing. It's Gabriel. He's outside. He's shooting everybody. Um, these, you know, gunshots could be heard on those calls as well. And all of that information was in the in the hands of 911 operators before the even, mm. even before the first RCMP officers got on scene. So, hmm. um, you know, and none of that, like none of that, was shared with the public in the days, weeks, or months after the shooting by the RCMP. How? Uh, okay, I've got so many, I have so many questions for you, Brian. Um, it, it seemed that it wasn't until the the gunman's common law spouse, Lisa ba Banfield, escaped from being really tied up, um, uh, you know, at the hands of, of the gunman and escaped that and was able to call 911 that maybe, um, not that the police weren't taking it seriously, but saying, hey, this is what's going on and who it is. I mean, I mean, her story alone is horrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's certainly the version of events that the police have told up to this point. And, and I mean, that... <laughs> It's hard to reconcile that, though, with with the information that's yeah. in these nine one one in these nine one one calls, and just the level of detail mm -hmm. that was provided by these early witnesses, the first witnesses. Keep in mind, Jamie Blair's call at ten o one p.m. that night was the very first call that went into nine one one. And today, the the legal counsel for the for the public inquiry essentially said it was essentially a contemporary contemporaneous account of murder that, that's what he called it and um and and and, and yet that night an, an hour off an hour and a half after the first 911 call came in this contemporary contemporaneous account of murder after the rcmp had found bodies on the street after they had heard people be murdered on a 911 call or after 911 operators had after um all the gunshots all of that the police sent out an, a, a tweet at night saying yeah. they were responding to a weapons complaint um that was, that was going to be my next question. I mean, did we learn any more about why that decision was made to, to send out uh, that alert on a, on a tweet and not putting it out on the, the emergency mm -hmm. alert system for the province? Mm -hmm. No, we haven't yet. Uh, that's, that is to come. I think the, the inquiry will look at that in, in the days and, and uh, weeks to come. These hearings are scheduled to continue until the end of May. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to hear a lot more about the first responders. Uh, actions in Port Epic. Um, so a little bit more from the police's, like what the police were doing, what the police saw, what the police knew. Um, but I mean, we got glimpses of that today, right? Mm -hmm. And and I, and I, you know, I, I think that like it, it is not. And and keep in mind, it's not just why didn't they use the emergency yeah. alert? It's the equality of the information they were sharing. Um, like I say, at 11:30 at night, the RCMP had no knew there was a murderer on the loose for an hour and a half. So I, I don't. You know, the question remains: Why did they not choose to release that information? Um, it was an active shooter situation. They were going door to door, according mm. to the documents, telling people 
people to evacuate the community because there was an active shooter. And yet the information they shared with the public over Twitter was that they were responding to a weapons complaint. Even five days later, the RCMP came out and said that they were responding to, to a, a report of a shooting in the area. I mean, this is not an accurate depiction of what they were responding to. How does the timeline that was released today differ from uh, the original timelines released by the Mounties? Um, so I think the, the very first timelines released by the Mounties uh, uh, indicated that the gunman had left the scene of the crime, the, those in, that initial crime scene in Port Pick. He had left, you know, around nine minutes or so after the very first officers gone on scene. Uh, the account released today makes it very clear that that's not true, that he in fact left uh, uh, at about 19 or 20 minutes after the police arrived on scene. So that's a significant difference. Um, now, the police had said you know, corrected that timeline uh, in October or so last year. Um, but, you know, th this really sets in stone what happened. I, th I think the timeline also really just um, provides a level of detail uh, that we've not seen before, just really cementing, um, you know, and it's kind of like you're, it's almost as if you're watching this situation unfold from like five or six different perspectives, mm. the way that they've laid it out. Um, and just all of the different witness accounts that they've kind of folded together to create this bigger picture of exactly where the gunman was and how he moved through the community and then eventually escaped. And you know, and, and so while, while so many people are looking for answers, and we certainly found out more details today, there's still so many questions. My goodness. What mm -hmm. happens next? Yeah, so tomorrow, like I say, the, the hearings continue tomorrow. We'll hear a lot more about the, the first responders and their actions, um, uh, including the RCMP when they arrived on scene in Portapique that night. That's April 18th, 2020. We'll hear a little bit. We'll hear, hear a lot more as well about the efforts to contain that scene and try and contain the gunmen, what, what happened, what, I mean, evidently what went wrong because the gunmen did evade the detection and did escape. So I think we're going to hear a lot more about what, what happened uh, in those hours leading into that next day where the gunman eventually reemerges on the morning of April 19th and begins killing again. Mm. Brian Hill joining us this afternoon. Thank you for taking the time and, and thanks for all of your work on this and, uh, and, and sharing your knowledge with us this afternoon, Brian. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care, Brian Hill, again. And if you want to check out the 13 Hours podcast, you can do that uh, anywhere you download uh, your podcast from, but it is on Curious Cast. It's called 13 Hours, so you can check that out. So this um, inquiry is, uh, is a provincial federal one and it must submit a final report in November with recommendations on how to prevent similar tragedies so we'll keep you updated right here on 630 Chat.